After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near Bethpage and Bethany, at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it, just say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. A word of God that is still speaking. This morning, let us be in prayer to the words of my beloved mentor, Steve Garnis Holmes, as he reflects on this Palm Sunday passage offering this prayer. A humble donkey, not glamorous or powerful, maybe not even noticed, but loving mystery exactly what you need. So many parts of myself I overlook, an extraordinary talent or simple presence, gifts I've been given I undervalue, but you need them for purposes I can't yet see. Beloved, what gifts of mine do you need? Help me know what humble donkey you require and untie it. Amen. Tell them the Lord needs it, Jesus said. And scholar Jim Somerville assumed Jesus was talking about himself. Somerville did a quick search through the Gospels to see if there are other places where Jesus mentions his needs. There is that moment in John 4 where Jesus asks the Samaritan woman to give him a drink of water, which he never gets, and the other moment in John 19 when he says, I thirst in order to fulfill the scripture. But on the whole, Jesus not does not appear to be a needy person. I am reminded of that sermon Paul preached to the Athenians on Mars Hill in which he said, the God who made the world 
and everything in it, he who is Lord of heaven and earth does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. The Son of God in the same way wasn't often served by human hands and didn't seem to need much of anything. So the fact that he would say he needed something is in itself remarkable. But the fact that what he needs when he finally gets around to mentioning it is a donkey is more remarkable still. If anyone asks you why you are untying it, tell them the Lord needs it, Jesus says. The Lord needs a donkey. And sure enough, someone does ask those two disciples why they are untying the donkey. The Lord needs it, they answer, and that's the end of that. But why? Why did the Lord need a donkey? It would be a little more obvious if we were reading this story in the Gospel of Matthew rather than the Gospel of Luke. In chapter 21, Matthew says that Jesus sent his disciples to fetch a donkey in order to fulfill what had been spoken of the prophet. Tell the daughter of Zion, look, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey, and on the colt, the foal of a donkey. It's a quote from Zechariah. And according to W.G. Cummel, this is a verse that was, in the early days, applied by the rabbis to the Messiah. In our Thursday devotion this week, Good Enough, the chapter called, When Words Fail, author Kate Buller writes, Holy Week begins with Jesus welcomed like a hero. Expectations are soaring. Jesus will fix everything. But by the end of the week, his friends betray him, and he is convicted as a criminal and sentenced to death. He will rise from the dead and someday bring this world to a beautiful conclusion and wipe every tear from every eye. There is hope for someday, but someday is not now. And here we are, living between Good Friday and Easter Sunday, before the cure, before the answers you seek, or the relationship, or the money you need. We live here, before the heartbreak is over. So what do we do during this time, this already but not yet, this in-between time where Christ has died, Christ is risen, and as we acknowledge every week, month during Holy Communion, Christ will come again. Christ has in fact come again and exists as the head of the church with us, each one of the beloved children of God as the body. In 1 Corinthians, we read, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink, 
Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as God wanted them to be. If they were all one part, apart from each other, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, these parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now we are the body of Christ, and each one of us is a part of it. We are a group project. It takes more than one person to make a parade. And it takes each and every one of us to be the body of Christ in this world through Wesley UMC to the people called Methodist in this place and share the love of God through our mission and ministry to the people of Concord, New Hampshire and beyond. In today's scripture about Palm Sunday, about the Lord needing a donkey, Jesus is inviting us to collaborate with him in the kingdom of God, inviting us to be the body of Christ, inviting us to be love for the world, inviting us to participate in the forgiveness of one another and the grace which God bestows on us all. The people in our scripture today have finally acknowledged that it is Jesus who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna! God save us. But very nearly immediately, they and we are not sure we're up to the task. And so we turn away. We turn inward and ask, what can you do for me? What can the church do for me? What can God do for me? Too often we fail to rise to Jesus' invitation to collaborate, to love others more than we love ourselves. And throughout this week, there are opportunities here in our community to experience the events of Holy Week. Not to just skip from the parades of Hosanna to Christ is risen, but to live in the reality of what Jesus experienced. 
through the Last Supper, through the suffering of Good Friday, we will see how steadily Jesus walks through this time and how the people demonstrate their fickleness and lack of faith, how they turned away from him, how they betray him, they deny him, how they kill him. Sims Sayamunga, a global mission fellow in Kenya, says in today's devotional, when the body of Christ works together, the mission of God through Jesus Christ is realized. The question we should ask ourselves today is, when the master wants to use what we have in terms of our gifts, are we willing to submit like the owners of the colt? Or will we answer, I'm not qualified enough, I won't work with him, and so on. God is not looking for the qualified, but God qualifies those whom God has called. God blesses the work we do together. How often do we today in this church fail to act together as one integrated body of Christ, of love? How often does the one of us say to the other, I don't need you, on a daily basis, and we are the worse for it? God's vision for a world of peace is the worse for it when we fail to understand and implement our integration as one body, when we fail to love each other as God has loved us unconditionally and full of forgiveness. This week, as we journey from the parade of joy and gratitude to the crucifixion of the one called Savior, let us remember that even when we cannot praise God and cooperate in the mission of peace, as the group project that God has called us to be, has intended us to be. The rest of creation can. And hear that in this final prayer. This is also from Steve Garnis Holmes. They do shout out. All creation cries out in praise of love. All creation defies the threats of tyrants and the certainty of merchants shouts out for fragile beauty and the giving of life. The forests cry out, the rivers cry out, the stones do cry out. The stones in the walls separating the rich from the poor. The stones carved with cruel laws. The stones piled up ready for the next heretic. The stones desecrated by greed-spilled oil. Your brother's blood cries out to God from the ground. The stones cry out. All creation cries out in praise of love, in defiance of injustice. In mourning for our violence, listen to the cries. Listen to what the earth, even as we wave our palms, cries out, listen to the stones. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Amen.